Welcome to the Ingenious Podcast, a snapshot of future B2B marketing trends and use it now tips. Learn to be wildly effective in professional services. Each episode features experts with new ideas for your branding and competitive success. We know that business development has changed quite a bit since the pandemic in terms of the ability to network in person or attend conferences and trade shows. However, the secrets of business development success don't always require in-person conversations. I'm Christine Nelson, a communications consultant with Ingenuity Marketing Group, and with me today is Don Wagonar, the principal of Ingenuity and the primary client relationship lead and rainmaker for our agency. So Don, we're gonna discuss many aspects of business development in this changed environment. Should we get started? Yeah, that sounds great, Christine. All right, well, my first question for you is what are the top habits that result in successful business development professionals? Uh, Well, I always say the biggest habit a person can have is actually doing it. Just like the Nike slogan, just do it, I actually believe that completely. Putting it on your calendar, I think I can't tell you actually how many um, professionals I speak to where they haven't even followed up with the leads of the prospect or even the connections that they've networked with um, just to have copy. And so I would highly recommend just putting on their calendar, that's my top habit that they can do. Um, just doing it. The next one is really developing a conversation. Show interest in them. Um, I will go to coffees and I can't tell you how many times where they talk about themselves and they don't ask me even a single question. So ask those questions and remember it's not about you. It's about them. Be interested in the other individual. Um, and then the third tip I have on building habits or the biggest habit that you can have would be, if it's a prospect, ask what the next step is or tell them when you will follow up with them. And then be sure, going back to that first habit, put it on your calendar and then do that follow-up when it's on your calendar. So these really seem like simple things to do. So why do you think that prioritizing business development is so important, but people don't do it? You know, I think, A, we're all extremely busy. I can tell you I actually had it on my calendar yesterday to do it, and it didn't happen, unfortunately. Other things got in the way, client work, which I know accountants, engineers, um, lawyers, are extremely busy professionals. So whoever is doing business development, they're extremely busy. And so, but now today I've been going back so that I can cross it off my list and I'm getting it done. So I think just the general everyday work can get in the way, but it's still a priority because it's still on my calendar and I still wanna make sure that I get it done. So I think that happens and I also think it's scary sometimes because what will that person say? Will they say, no, I'm not interested, I don't wanna have coffee with you or no, I don't wanna do a meeting with you Um, or no, actually we hired someone else. Um, those are really scary things to be rejected. And I think sometimes you just have to shrug it off and just move on to the next and just say, oh, well, I know that's easier said than done, but, you know, you learn from every situation and there's lots of fish out there. So (laughs) 
lots of fish in the sea, as they say. Yeah, I've heard that a lot from experienced sales professionals that they, the the failure they're having now just means there's a new opportunity coming. And so they keep that positive attitude about what's coming next. So for those of us yeah. who aren't professional salespeople, what would you say is often missing in the sales process for professional service firms that can make new business development difficult? Um, you know, that's funny because as you said that, I oftentimes don't think of myself as a professional salesperson, um, <laughs> even though I am responsible for bringing in business. Um, but it's not what I went to school for. So keep in mind, we can all learn this. Um, you know, I have a marketing degree. Um, I did not anticipate I would be bringing in business one day. And, you know, it's just what I had to do. So I think oftentimes that they just aren't speaking to the right decision maker. Um, I know sometimes even we experience that at Ingenuity. So they may be speaking to a person that has influence um, or one of the decision makers, but not all of them. And so it's really important to make sure that you figure out who all of the decision makers are or ask. And I know sometimes that can be easier said than done because I know I probably shouldn't say this, but people lie. <laughs> um, we all lie. We all like to believe we're the decision maker or that we have enough influence to say that we are making the decision. Um, but um, there are tips that we can all l learn, even if we're just asking, tell me a little bit about the decision making process. Um, that can be a great way to figure out who the decision maker is. Um, we also recommend developing personas to really understand the buyer and their process so that you can counter with your approach and share the difference you can make uh, so that you learn the motivation of the person talking to you. And Christine, I'm sure since you write all about personas, you can probably tell us all about personas um, and why that's so important. Do you have any tips on that? Yeah, we really dig deeply into the, the character and the motivations of your potential decision makers among your target audiences to make sure that everybody on the team then really understands who the actual decision maker is, what they care about, what they're influenced by, even what keeps them up at night. So that that practice of creating personas is it takes some work in the beginning, but it really can be worth it to help you hone in on how to best approach potential clients and decision makers by doing your homework and knowing a little bit more about them before you have that first conversation. Yeah, I was just actually gonna say you make a really good point because once you've done your homework, then you're able to determine what the right fit is. Um, and sometimes a prospect isn't a right fit, which is fine. And that is why that pers those personas are so important. And then finally, I would just say, be sure that you know what the next steps are in that process. What the decision-making process looks like. As I mentioned, just ask a simple question. You know, tell me a little bit about your decision-making process. And then who your competition is. Um, I know not everyone will tell you who your competition is, but doesn't hurt to ask and sometimes they will and then you can do that research or you may already know all about them and that can really help then in your next meeting which hopefully you will have again 
Yeah, really good point. I think it then goes back up to your tips, Don, of follow up. If you don't hear, <laughs> yeah. once they've said they have a timeline for making a decision and you don't hear back, then make sure you follow up. Yeah, exactly. If they say they have a meeting on the 6th, I'm putting it on my calendar on the 8th if I haven't heard anything. So, yes, follow up. So, Chris, tell me a little bit about then how about association? Recruitment is also a sales process. Do you have any tips for them since they're really focused on members and not so much prospects or clients per se? Yeah, I think it's good that we talk about them too since we do work with a lot of professional associations and their approach to gaining new members, retaining members is really different from a professional service firm, even though that's their target audience. I believe that associations should really make sure that they have a strong draft, a strong grasp of their unique features and benefits of membership because they want to communicate to those potential members what they're going to get out of the membership and how is it going to help them in their businesses. So some associations have it easier than others if the association offers continuing education credits. That can be a requirement among many professionals, so it draws them into a conversation because they know that they will be getting continuing education to support their uh, careers. If you don't have that, um, you can provide other values such as industry advocacy with federal, state, local agencies, um, relationships with referral sources, or just connections with other members within the same industry. Um, I would say with prospective members, you can use a combination of digital and in-person communication when possible. In the past, executives or board members may have traveled to the prospect's location or they've invited them to attend events and meet other members. You can still do this virtually. You can invite them to your virtual conferences or events. You can have other members reach out to them for a video chat. Um, you can share member success stories with them to highlight what features and benefits of the association membership have helped your other members. And if possible, you know, get them on your mailing list so that even if they're not a member yet, they're seeing all the good things that you're offering and doing on behalf of the industry. And um, that can pull them in and maybe engage them to consider membership and feel like they're getting gifts for free. and maybe feel like, okay, maybe I should, you know, become an official member so that, so that I'm giving back as well and possibly even getting involved on committees. So it's the same advice I would give to technical professionals, you know, show interest in the relationship, learn about the potential member, provide a kind gesture or introduction and follow up, which kind of brings us to our next question. And this one's for you, Don. Uh, technical professionals, so these aren't the partners or the owners, they are the, the subject matter experts that are actually doing the client work. We know that they often need guidance on how to support the sales process and they can be very vital in building that client relationship and expanding the relationship. So how can they contribute to firm growth as technical professionals? Yeah, you know, I've actually coached quite a few of these technical experts, and I know that you have as well, Christine, so I'll be interested to see if you have anything else to add to it. But they have tons of connections through LinkedIn, 
you know, people that they went to college with, friends. And it's always surprising to me how many people they actually know that would make great clients. They just don't think that way. And so sometimes they just need a little bit of brainstorming with individuals or if you're sitting in a pipeline, they actually know quite a few people if you're, you know, you have a prospect that you're trying to figure out, okay, who do I know at this company? They actually know quite a few. So just don't, you know, discount them because they're not the rainmaker or the business developer, the business development person in that um, organization because they do know quite a few people. Also, um, they have that LinkedIn profile and they can share firm posts. They can also write their own if they wish, but they can also participate in creating content for marketing. And I know that um, marketing always loves it when they get involved in writing because just having that expert involved in that, that writing process is very helpful. And finally, it really is about client relationships. So developing them so that they're able to cross service as well as asking for referrals can really be helpful from a getting that technical expert involved in the business development process. Christine, do you have anything to add um, based on your coaching experience? Yeah, I always think of moving from technical professional to more of that marketing or sales role as a change in mindset. So when you are a technical professional, you're often very focused on the doing of the business. You're immersed in it. You're doing the actual services that are needed to deliver what you've promised to the client. When you switch hats and you're in that marketing or sales role, you're really looking at the why of the company, what helps the company grow, what helps the firm um, expand its visibility, and how you can be an ambassador of that. So you're really looking at different skill sets there, and you're thinking about your client relationships in a different way as well, because you are looking for opportunities to add services that they might need or suggest services. You're looking for conversations you can have with them about other relationships they have that might be helpful to you. So as you think about the different times that you touch base with your clients, whether you're a project manager in an AEC firm or you're a tax manager in an accounting firm um, and you get to have that quarterly conversation or you just decide to schedule coffee, build a little bit into the conversation about, hey, do you know anybody who you think I should be talking to to let them know about our services or um, maybe asking them about some of the challenges they're experiencing so that you can suggest additional support or improving your delivery of services to them. So it's not just about, hey, how'd we do on that last project or engagement? It's about also looking forward in order to build and strengthen the relationship and strengthen your connections in the marketplace. Which kind yeah. of leads us into our, our marketing role, right? Like what we do as marketing professionals and how that ties into sales. And I know that's a whole other component of integrating the sales process, right? Uh, yeah, but I do want to make one quick point because I think you made up a really, you made a really great point about the relationships and having coffee which is kind of on a personal level. You get to know people on a little bit different level than in the office or on the phone or 
on Zoom, video call, video chat. It's not just all business. And when you get to know someone on a personal level, it changes, changes the relationship a little bit different. And it's much easier than to cross-sell, get referrals, um, that type of situation. So from a business development relationship, no matter who you are in a firm, it really helps. So I think that's an important point to, that I wanted to point out. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true. When, when you become friends with your clients or with your project partners, there's a trust that's built. And so they know that if they refer you or vice versa, that the people they care about are going to get good service because they right. believe in what you do and you believe in what they do. So, yeah, definitely agreed that it's OK to cross professional and personal. Yeah. So now you're right. Let's talk about that marketing team. So, Chris, do you have any guidance on measuring marketing activities against the firm business goals? Um, I know the other day we were really talking. Um, There's one client who spoke recently about getting lots of leads and even new clients, but realization wasn't really improving. So in other words, they weren't really making money despite of growth of clients. I don't know if you remember that conversation, but I thought that was really interesting. So I don't know if you have any advice around any of that. Yeah, that was a bit of a light bulb moment for me to realize that you can pull a lot of new clients into your business, but if you're not being profitable with all of that extra work, then are they really the right clients for you? Which then leads back to, is your marketing strategy off? Does it need to be reviewed in terms of actual matching of business goals? You know, you might be going after the wrong target client then, if they're too small or if they're price conscious or if, you know, other factors are creating too much work on the firm side that's making it not profitable in the long run. So there are a lot of considerations that marketing needs to take in to make sure that what they're doing really actually matters to the bottom line of the firm and then the top line new service opportunities and, and you know, additional offerings that, that they can provide. I, whenever we're looking at niche marketing and making recommendations, I always look at three years of revenue, including realization, because it's not just about whether or not they're making, you know, it's improving growth and they're continuing to grow, but also does the firm actually make money on these types of clients? And that is key. And we have a lot of experience with firms that have, for example, rested on referrals for many years. And that's great on the sales side, but then they didn't do enough marketing to continue to reach out to potential new clients or new relationships. So there's a balance. It's not just about doing a lot of marketing or doing a lot of sales. You really have to have that integration between the two and know what each side is doing to make sure that you're satisfying both that visibility and that brand as well as improving your sales and, you know, making sure the profits are looking good. Um, it kind of reminds me of when I was a journalist and there was the newsroom and there was advertising. You need both. And yet sometimes there is too much emphasis on money and generating ad revenue when, you know, 
the content was also important. So there's that balance um, that you need to marry between marketing and sales. Um, if your marketing isn't measured and producing results, you really have to adapt and change it. Don't do the same things expecting different results. So for example, integrating digital into your traditional approach, but also sometimes going back to those traditional approaches such as sponsorships, if it actually fits the market entry point. Um, you might think of sponsorships as old fashioned, but sometimes in certain markets, that's the best way to enter and become visible because you see what's important within that community or that market. Um, your plan can't be the same as everyone else's. So your plan in marketing will not be the same as your competitors. Each firm or association is different and we you know, look at tailoring marketing to fit the firm or the association. Not, it's not a cookie cutter approach. I don't think it can be, especially these days with how much competition everyone has and how flooded the communication channels are. That said, any, any final thoughts? I know we've covered a lot of information here. We've talked about the sales area. We've talked about association marketing, technical professionals, and our, our marketing teams. You know, I think it's just really important that marketing and sales works really closely together, as you can see, based on the conversation that we had today. But just a few final thoughts you know, that we covered is, you know, be sure there's interest in relationships and helping others succeed. Follow up, um, show genuine interest, put that on your calendar to do that follow up and create personas so that you get to know your target audiences and key decision makers. Make sure that you're not targeting the wrong people, that it is the right fit for your firm. Do you have any others to add, Chris? I think we talked a little bit about the client relationship management. Your technical team that is closest to the clients um, should be trained to ask for referrals, to suggest new approaches and services, to ask how they're doing, and ask if there are any areas for improvement that they could offer to really build that relationship and build trust. Um, you should really keep an eye on any potential encroaching competition by communicating with clients. Um, we've done client interviews where clients will tell us completely honestly, yes, I've been courted by other firms or I've been courted by other associations. And so it's important for your firm to know that so that you can find out if there are areas that you can improve on or different services you can offer or just having a frank conversation about what else you can do to make sure that you maintain strong relationships in your existing client base. And really um, proactive marketing. When I say proactive marketing, and this, this has been another light bulb for me lately um, in thinking about what marketing really is, because there have been firms we know of that don't consistently market, it's not for your business now, it's for your future. It's for the business you're trying to grow. It's for the business you're trying to build. So when you are marketing, you're not thinking so much about your association or firm as it exists now, but what it's gonna look like in the future. And the marketing is toward that. And so it's a step-by-step -step approach toward your big vision. And without doing that day-to-day, -day, you can really miss out on reaching your goals long-term, whether it's succession or expanding the size of your association or you know attracting new talent yeah i completely agree chris great point to add 
And that's why marketing and sales are so closely integrated. And we ended up talking about marketing just as much as we did about <laughs> secrets of business development. So marketing people, that's talk, right. <laughs> talk to your business development people and vice versa. You really need to work closely together. Very true. Well, I don't know about you, Chris, but I had a lot of fun today. Yeah, I was just going to say, this has been a fun conversation, and we hope that this provides uh, our listeners with some good tips, some food for thought, and that they continue to work on their business development skills, no matter what communication device, in-person, digital, uh, in-space, I don't know, virtual, that <laughs> 3D, that will come next. We're all excited to, to see what that looks like in the coming year, and we're always here to help. Thanks for listening to the Ingenious Podcast. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating or a review wherever you listen. Visit the show notes for this episode and all episodes at ingenuitymarketing.com forward slash podcast.